thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. And thank you for the opportunity we have to get into your word. God, we want to hear you speak. Lord, we, we want to be with you, God. We want to be close to you, and we want to hear your voice. And so speak through your word, God. Lord, we are here humbled, God, by your grace, humbled how much you love us and the mercy that you give us, God. I'm so humbled by that. And Lord, so, Lord, we just want to get closer and become the people of God you want us to be. So I ask, Lord, we ask, God, that you would touch this time, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would anoint your word. And so we lift this time and dedicate it to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, an oxymoron, it is a figure of speech that con contradicts itself. And you know what? We use them every day. For example, that's a definite maybe, right? Definite and maybe, right? Or how about this one? Act naturally. Or how about genuine imitation? Yeah, we've heard those before, or even we've asked for, oh, I like the jumbo shrimp. Right? That's another oxymoron. How about, well, almost exactly. Or how about this one? Oh, it's the same difference. Yeah, we've used those, haven't we? Or how about, whoa, that's pretty ugly over there. Oh, I just have, I'm going to give you my educated guess. Or we use this a lot. Oh, this one gets freezer burn. Right? How can be freezer burn at the same time? Sometimes there's oxymorons that give a certain commentary, I would say, on things. For example, airline food. Yeah, you think, oh, that's not food. Or how about honest politician? <laughs> how about this one? Some of you may not agree with this, but country music. <laughs> how about federal budget? Yeah, I don't know if they go together, right? And here's one more. When pastors say, final point right i like that one yeah right final point yeah that's an oxymoron right there well there's another oxymoron that is not so funny and that is the carnal christian because this is a believer who still gives in to their fleshly desires well as we continue our study through the book of first corinthians paul gives the reason for contentions and divisions in the church, really the internal reasons. The Corinthian believers are carnal Christians. And that's what we're going to look at today. That's the title of our message, Carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1 through 9 this morning. We finished up chapter 2, and now we're moving on to chapter 3. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 9 in chapter 3. Now, our outline this morning is this, the reason, the result, and the remedy. Three things here we've broken up our section into. So let's begin here with number one in our outline, the reason. Talking about carnal Christians, here's the reason. The reason, number one, look, at with, look with me here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. Now we begin here, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, remember this epistle, and he begins with these three words, and I, brethren. 
And in particular, I like how he writes here, brethren. See, Paul here speaks to the Corinthian believers as fellow believers, as fellow Christians, as brothers in the Lord. And this is before he even addresses the issue here of their carnality in their Christian walk. He starts up and he still calls them believers. Now, as you remember, Paul has been addressing the contentions and divisions going on in the church. I mean, from chapter 1, we've been seeing this. And the reason for this, Paul has given us some of that, but it's more than the external, external worldly influence, right? The worldly wisdom, and that's what we've been seeing in the last chapters. If you miss the messages, you can grab the CD. But now he comes to the internal problem. He's going to address this internal problem. The reason why they're, they're like this is because of their carnality. And we'll see that in a moment. But even though their actions were seriously splitting the church apart, isn't this great? Paul wrote first, and I, brethren, I'm addressing you as brethren. It's really a term of recognition and love. And, and I just want to pull this out before we go on. Paul approached this rebuke with compassion and love. Paul approached this rebuke with compassion and love. I like what John MacArthur said. He wrote, he stood with them as a brother, not over them as a judge. I like that. I mean, how many times I think about I've failed in that same place, coming as judge and jury to somebody, yeah, already coming down on them, already ready to hang them, but not help them. And this is Paul's heart. First thing he comes into says, and I, brethren, hey, hey, brothers, hey, come here. Come here. I love you guys. Come here. So he goes on in verse 1, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. Now, what is he saying? Paul goes on to say that I, I can't come to you uh, uh, say, like you guys are walking in a spiritual, godly way. He's not saying that they're not saved. That's not what he's talking about. He, call, he calls them brothers, right? So he comes to them saying, hey, you know what? Your walk is not going right here. It's not spiritual. It's not godly. Well, what is it? Well, then he says in verse 1, but as through carnal. I'm speaking to you as through these carnal Christians. Now, the word carnal mean, really talks about, it, 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 it. literally the word is fleshly or fleshy. It, they're like walking in the old sinful ways. Really, when he says, but carnal, he's saying you guys are one like characterized by the flesh. I mean, they should be in a different place here. They should do differently, but they don't because, you know what, they're characterized, or we should say it this way, they're dominated by that sinful flesh. See, they may be believers, but the way they carry themselves is like unbelievers. They are like worldly Christians, you know, living in that sinful flesh. They're carnal. Now, this is very interesting to me as we come into chapter 3 because Paul had already presented two categories of people, and now he adds a third category of persons in this world. Do you remember, it, it wasn't just the saved or unsaved. Back in 1 Corinthians 2.14, remember, if you look there, he says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
So the natural man, the unsaved person, the unbeliever, they can't understand the truth of God. Because they, they, they don't understand and they haven't received the Spirit. Remember, we learned this once we're saved. They, and so everything, what the truth of God is like foolishness to them. Why? Well, they, they're in this sinful flesh. They're the natural man. And then Paul in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you can take a look there too. He says, but he who is spiritual judges all things. We learned that last time, right? That this is the saved person. They can understand the truth of God because of the Holy Spirit inside them. So Paul says, hey, there's the unsaved, the natural man, there's the, the spiritual ones, the, the saved ones. But now he says, you guys are carnal. I can't talk to you as spiritual, like being godly. He's using that. But you guys, the third category of persons is a carnal Christian. That's a believer who still lives like an unbeliever. It's a Christian, but who still gives into their sinful flesh. And then he, he describes it another way. Look at the end of verse 1, as to babes in Christ. What is he saying? He's saying you're spiritually immature. That's what he's saying. You're like spiritual immature babies. You're immature Christians. You have not grown up spiritually. You're still a baby Christian. Now, when he says this, it's not for lack of teaching. They've had great teachers, Paul himself, Apollos. Remember, we've been seeing that. Or it's not that they don't have the capacity to understand mentally. It's not. They have the Holy Spirit. Right? As we learn, they have the Holy Spirit to understand the truth. But you know the reason why they're babes, they're spiritually immature? Because of carnality. They refuse to give up their worldly ways and their carnal desires, their fleshly desires, and that has stunted their spiritual growth. They're still like baby Christians now. So with this now, with this thought, Paul goes on. Look at verse 2. He said, in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Now when Paul first came to the city of Corinthians and he started to share the gospel, then people got saved. The church was born. You remember we learned that he was there like 18 months, a year and a half in that city. So when he first came there, he, he gave the basic truth of the gospel. He shared Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, rose again from the dead. He saved you. This is how you get saved. And so God saved them, and he helped them at the beginning of their walk with the truth of the word. Well, that was great. He says, I fed you with milk when I came and not with solid food, because that's all you can really handle for until now. You are not able to receive it. In other words, that's all you can really handles the basics of the word but now even now you're still not able you're not able to receive and feed on that solid food you're still on the spiritual basics i mean after all this time and some of the commentators say it's been about five years these guys these these corinthian believers in this church they're still not past square one they're still not able to receive the solid food they're not able to go on in the deeper things of, of doctrine and theology and who God is and Jesus is even deeper things. Why is that? Look at verse 3. He says, for you are still 
carnal. And we'll pause right there. The New Living Translation rendered this, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You see, the solid food, the deeper things of Scripture and God's truth, it, it, you know what that is really? It's, it, it's not just how to be saved, but it's now how to live for God. What it means as a Christian to live, uh, who God is in his, his character and in his greatness. It's, it's about who we are now in Christ, that we're new creations and, and now we can live this life and our, now we have the power and we go on living. It's about the Holy Spirit bringing fruit out of our lives. It's about really understanding what it means to live this life here on earth as a believer in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 says. It says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. In other words, they're inexperienced in what is right, what is wrong, what is those issues. Verse 14, Hebrews 5, it says, it goes on and says, but solid food is for the mature. In other words, the mature can really recognize between wrong and right. They can discern. They know, hey, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, this is, this is the worldly ways. This, is our, this gives into our flesh, and we got to live in this new life now. Those are the things that the meat is. It's not just the basics of our salvation, but it goes on more to who we are, what we're supposed to do because of who we are and because of who God is. So in all this, is this sad assessment. These Corinthians were carnal Christians showing they were still babes spiritually. This is what Paul's saying. This is his point. This is a sad assessment of things. These Corinthians were carnal Christians showing they were still babes spiritually. You know, I remember um, the first words that our each one of our three children, when they were small, the first words were as babies when they spoke was dada. Yeah, I was all proud because they didn't say mama. They said dada. I go, yeah, dad, you know, kind of thing. And that blessed me, you know. They're calling me daddy, dada, you know. But think about it this way. It's all cute then. But what if one day, you know, I, I turn around. There's my adult son saying dada, dada. And I look over, he's crawling on the ground like a little baby. He's sucking his thumb, you know, with this diaper on. Yeah. What would you think? We thought, whoa, that, that's weird. That's unnatural. That's not right. They're not babies all anymore. They've had a lot of years now. They're adults. They should be past that, shouldn't they? A baby who acts like a baby, that's a joy. That's sweet. That touches our heart. But an adult who acts like a baby, that's a tragedy. That's what it is. And that's what Paul is saying. Here's the sad assessment. And after five years, you know, they should have been farther along. These Corinthians were carnal Christians showing they were still baby spiritual. They were still giving into the flesh. They were still doing fleshly things. They weren't living as God has wanted to them to live. They're not living as the potential inside of them. They still act like babies in Jesus, still crawling when they should be walking strong. You know, it makes us think, doesn't it? Makes us think. Does your years in the Lord equal your spiritual maturity? Or are you still feeding on the milk? You can't handle the meat part. Why? Because you're carnal. 
Oh, I maybe, oh, well, I, I like this. Yeah, I still like to do this thing. Like a baby. You know, I remember when I first came to Jesus, you know, oh, the Lord saved me. I know he did. I gave my life to him. I was different inside. But you know what? I still did some worldly things. Yeah. I, I, I still cussed here and there. Yeah. My interests were more worldly than, than that. But I remember as I began to go church and learn and, and learn about, oh, oh, God wants me to do, oh, yeah, so I stopped doing those things. Or, and I begin to learn, oh, God loves me, I love him, and if I love him, I want to obey him. And I begin to learn, oh, I'm this new creation, that's who I am, not this old person here. God has freed me from the bondage of my sin, so no longer do I have to do this. I'm free to make that choice. For Jesus. I remember learning that. Why? Because it was more than the milk when I first got saved. I was starting to eat the, mi the meat now. You know, some people, they come to church. There's an issue going on. There's a problem. They come and, and oh, the Lord, Lord grabs their heart. The Lord speaks to them. They raise their hand and they get saved. And you know what the sad thing to me is? Then you never see them again for a long time. And then maybe I bump into them and then you know what? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I remember I was in church. I received Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord, what you doing now? No, are you going to church? No, I'm not. But, you know, and then you look at them, they're still in that same place. That's sad. That's still being a babe in Christ. That's what these Corinthians were. The sad assessment, these Corinthians were carnal Christians showing they were still babes spiritually. They were in this arrested development. We should search our hearts today. We may say, yeah, I received Christ, and I remember that five years ago. And, but, you know, assess your life today. Where are you at with that? Have you grown? We should be growing. That's part of our what we call sanctification in the Lord, that we continue to grow in the Lord, become more and more like Christ, fall in love with Jesus more, have a hunger more for his word more and more and more. That's where we should be. More than me. Oh, yeah, I need more. I need to learn more. Oh, God, I, I, I want more of your word. Are you hungry like that for the meat of the word of God? We should be there. Or are you still in that worldly place? Yeah, you're a believer, but, oh, you're living like the world. Well, let's move on here to number two in our outline, the results, the results, the results. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the second part now. Paul goes on, he says, For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So Paul says, you know, here's the result of this carnal life. Here's the result of giving into your, your, your flesh and being carnal. He says, you know, here's the result. The result is this, you know, where there's envy, where there's strife, where there's divisions going on, you know, it only goes to show that there's carnality there. You're being carnal. He's saying you're giving into that old sinful flesh. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, uh, and this is the NLT, it says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Oh, isn't that so true? It's so true. A lot, of, a lot of my contentions is because of my own flesh, right? It's so true. And then Paul says at the end of verse 3, and behaving like mere men. Mere men mean 
Meaning, like people in the world, like, like the world does, like the unsaved does. Aren't you just being just like them? Instead of being different from the world, these Corinthians continue to act like people who don't belong to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, understand the full-on carnal Christian. You know, they may talk like a Christian. They may say, oh, yeah, I was saved. But they live like a non-Christian. By just looking at their actions and attitudes and choices they make. You know what? You really can't tell the difference in a carnal Christian. I've talked to people in the past before. I say, you know what? Um, you, you should look at your life because, you know, a carnal Christian, I mean, you could tell an unbeliever is unbeliever. A believer you can tell by their life. But a carnal Christian, you don't know if they're really saved. You don't know what's going on. Only God knows the heart if they're really saved. But a carnal Christian is a believer living like an unbeliever. So you can't tell. That's what Paul was saying. Isn't this like mere men, like everyone else in the world? Isn't this like people in the world, carnal Christians have envy, he says, or jealousy, that strong desire to have what someone else has and that pride and that attitude, well, I want that too. It's that attitude in them. He says here, strife, right? Envy, jealousy brings strife, the contentions, the disagreements, the kind of stuff going on. That's a, that outward action is saying the result of this attitude inside. And then what happens? It moves into divisions, the breaking apart of relationships, the, the, the coming in between, all this stuff coming in between each other, the divisions and the division that's going on in this Corinthian church. Carnality shows itself in this envy, strife, and division. That's what Paul is saying. It's evident. Because all these divisions are going on that you guys are carnal. You're, you're acting just like the world. You know, I was taken back by something William Barclay said. He said, talking about this division, carnality, he says, it means you can tell what a person's relationship with God is by looking at the way that person relates to others. I thought, wow, wow, yeah. Isn't the badge that we wear as Christians is the unity and love that we have. Yeah, Th isn't that what Jesus says? You will know that they are my disciples by their love. Yeah, but when this comes forth, the opposite, what is it? What is it? It's confusing. Yeah, if you call yourself a Christian, it's confusing. Yeah, if you're living and doing and operating just like the world does. So Paul goes on, look at verse four. Paul goes on, he says, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of of Apollos, are you not carnal? So Paul goes, I mean, uh, think about this, he's saying. I mean, when you guys start fighting and dividing over me or Apollos, isn't that being carnal? Isn't that being just like the world, he's saying? That proof of carnality is this result of childish behavior, of contention over these leaders, these teachers, these preachers. Now, to understand this a little more, remember Corinth, yeah? This city where this church is, Corinth is a Greek city. And you remember as we've been learning, as we came into this book, 1 Corinthians, we learned that in with the Greeks, they love like philosophy, right? They love thinkers and philosophers. They love to 
watch the debates between, you know, these, these, these philosophers and thinkers, and they love the motivational speakers and all that. And so, you know, before they were in, in Jesus, that's what they would do. They'd go watch and listen, and they would line themselves under these philosophers. Well, I like this guy. I think this guy's better. I like what he says. No, but this guy says this. And they would debate on that. They would just line up, you know, with these personalities of these philosophers, thinkers, debaters, motivational speakers, guys. Well, Paul came, preached the gospel. They got saved. A church was born. They're saved now. But you know what? They handled the apostles. Remember Paul said in the first chapter, Am I, you know, what are you guys saying? I have Paul or Peter. They, they, they handled the apostles, the teachers like Apollos. Apollos, who was teaching them after Paul had left. These preachers of the word of God and teachers, they, they handled them in the same way. In the same way they did before they were saved. And so they idolized, you know, their favorite teacher, their favorite pastor, their favorite apostle. And they would fight about it. It was a different setting, but the same attitude and approach. So Paul's saying this. It only shows how carnal you are. When the same attitude and approach in the world is found in the church. That's what he's saying. You guys are carnal here. That's not right. This is what the world does. It only shows how carnal you really are when you have the same attitude, same approach in the, that's in the world, and you find it here in the church. I read about one pastor who came home to find his little daughter arguing, arguing with her friends in her bedroom. He quickly went upstairs, made his way to the bedroom, and as he entered into the bedroom, he goes, Hey, what's going on here? Well, his little five-year-old daughter looks up with a smile and says, It's okay, Daddy. We're just playing church. How sad is that? When you look from the outside perspective, that, that's embarrassing, friends. We may have our agendas. We may even feel justified. We may, we may, you know, have our reasons. You know, maybe we're not idolizing it. Maybe it's other things that come up. But how do we handle it? How do we approach it? Here at the Corinthians, it it just shows that they're carnal because they're just handling it in the same way they did in the world. Different setting, same attitude and approach that the world had. It was found in the Corinthian church. Is that us? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about myself. Is that me? You know, um, you can ask my wife. I can get on her about some things and, and, you know, but the Bible is this and all this and what, you know. But I know when I'm in the flesh. Yeah. I know when I'm using these tactics. Yeah. Sometimes some of you before Jesus was in your life, you were pretty good manipulator, yeah? But now after Christ, do you still use that manipulation as a tool? Should we be doing that? No, we shouldn't. Are we using the same tactics? Is the flesh coming in, you know? And, and, and yeah, you're a Christian now, but the flesh is doing it now. Are you trying to do what God wants, but in the flesh? Is that really right? Well, I'm convicted of this deeply. It should be the opposite, shouldn't it? Warren Wiersbe said, There is another way to determine maturity. The mature Christian practices love and love and seeks to get along 
forgive others. I think that's what we should do. If we're not, then it shows, hey, we're getting into our flesh still. There's still some carnal carnality in there, yeah? And maybe you're not one who's like totally in the world, I'm not a carnal Christian, but yet, I mean, I, w- I was saying that, well, I'm glad I'm not that. You know, I'm a believer, I'm following God. Yet, there's still some carn- carnal stuff that comes out of me, yeah? Now, I got to be careful of that. I mean, how would you label yourself? You know, I was thinking about this. You know, ever look for, like, say, cars? You know, you're trying to shop for a, a used car on Craigslist. You ever think about the labels people put on there? You know, in, d- in addition to the make, the model, and year, and all that, and you uh, and the picture, you know, on Craigslist and everything. You know, they'll write things like "clean" there, or "like new," "no accidents," "one owner." You're like, oh yeah, that one. Is, I'm gonna check that car out. But then, you know, you'll see these labels on these used cars. Sometimes they'll say, "Oh, good works vehicle." Yeah. Well, uh, it's not as pristine, right? Or how about this one? Maui Cruiser. <laughs> You're like, oh, you know what that is. Yeah, it's about to break down that one. How about needs a little TLC? You know, a little is probably a lot, right? Or how about this one? Mechanic special. You know, oh, yeah, if you're a mechanic, you have a little, you know, know-how, hey, no problem. This would be a great car for you. I don't know. That means it's broken down already, yeah? And so there can be these little degrees of how good this car is. You know, it maybe made me think, how about myself? Where am I at? What would my label be, you know? I'm not full on carnal. Yeah, I'm not, oh, slightly used, you know, kind of thing. Or is it mechanic special, you know? Where are you today? Don't think that, well, I, I, you know what? A little TLC and I'll be all right, you know? Oh, yeah, but don't don't just put it to the side. Take it seriously. Because yeah. when we start getting into our flesh here, we're going to do more and more and more. Yeah. Because you know the enemy, he doesn't want us to grow in Christ. He doesn't want to be, want us to be like Christ. So he's there pushing. He's there tempting us. He's there taking our weaknesses. Maybe it's that one area in your flesh you're weakened in. Oh, yeah, he knows where to hit. He knows what to pinpoint. He knows what to attack and target. Let's be serious. Let's not be like these Corinthian believers. It only shows how carnal they are when the same attitude and approach in the world is found in their church. All right, let's move on here to number three in our outline, the remedy, the remedy. We've seen with these carnal Christians, the reason, yeah, they're buried with our carnality. We're giving themselves to the their, their flesh, the sinful flesh. We see the results is this division, contention, envy, strife going on. And now we come to the remedy, number three, the remedy. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, and this is the rest of our section today. Paul writes, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who but ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one. So Paul says, who are we? You know, who's Paul? Who's Apollos anyway? Who are, who are we? You know what we are? We're ministers, ministers. You know the interesting thing here in the original language, in the Greek, the word here means servants, servants. A lot of times we think that even ministers think, well, I'm a minister, you better, you better bow to me. No, you know what? 
I love this. I love in the New Testament, a minister is a servant. Paul's saying, I'm just a servant. I'm not anything special. We, Apollos and I, we're not anything to make this big fuss over and line up under and make a click under. No, we're, we're, we're nothing. We're just servants, ministers. And he goes on, he says, whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one. In other words, they were the ones who, through them, they believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, we're just messengers doing what the Lord gave each one of us to do. Yeah, We're, we're not the ones. We're just, we're just a spokesperson here. God is the Savior. Paul and Apollos were, were just instruments of God, not the source of your salvation. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 6, he goes on and expands this. He says, see, verse 6, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, so then neither who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. With this, with this, Paul gives this picture, right? This analogy, this, this illustration of a farmer's field. Paul said, you know what my assignment was? To plant the seed. And you know what Ap- Apollos, his assignment was? He watered the seed. But you know what? God grew the plant. God gave the increase. God had the plant sprout. God had you sprout and grow. That's what he's talking about. I mean, think about it, right? Farmers can plant the seed. They can water the seed. But they cannot make the seed grow, right? A farmer doesn't have that power. He cannot, like, okay, put the seed in the ground, put water, and it says, grow. Come up. Come up. Right? No matter how many times he says that. Or moves his hand like this. He makes his voice do that. It's not going to grow, right? Who makes the plant grow? God. God is the giver of life. He's the one. I was thinking about this. This is like uh, once in a while, I don't know, you see some uh, uh, news show, yeah, newscaster, and and uh, <coughs> you see this newscaster like turn to the weatherman. Well, what kind of weather are you going to bring us today, you know? Right? And it's, I'm like, wait a minute. He can't do anything, you know. He, he's just giving a report. He's just a messenger from, you know, the science of weather, you know, geology and everything like that. He, he doesn't have any power over the weather. He's just a messenger, yeah, with the data that he collected, right? That's the same thing. God is over our earth and weather, right? Weatherman doesn't. Oh, Paul's like, hey, it's not about us here. We didn't do anything in your life. Verse 8, he goes, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will, will, will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So Paul says, you know, he who plants like me, he who waters like Apollos. You know what? We're one. In other words, we're together in this. We have the same goal, the same purpose, bringing the gospel. Uh, we're working as a team here. It's not about me, Paul, against Apollos, or I'm better than him, or Apollos isn't saying that to Paul. No, we're together here. We're, at, uh, we're one here. And then he adds this, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. In other words, we're one, but as we serve God, we're serving the Lord. 
right? We're each one of us as a servant to God. We are still individually responsible for the work we do. And you know, you know what? We're going to be rewarded for that. And we're going to see more of that next time as we move on in 1 Corinthians 3. So basically, Paul's like, hey, we work as a team, right? We're, we work for God. It's God who gets the glory, not us. We're, we're, our purpose is together, and it's God's purpose. And we're, we're, God is the one that we should really look to. Hudson Taylor, the pioneer missionary to China, was once speaking. Uh, he was a guest speaker at a church in Australia, and he was introduced with much praise, much uh, uh, stories and listing all his accomplishments as that missionary in China. Then the, the, the speaker introduced Hudson Taylor as our, here he is, our illustrious guest. Well, Hudson, Hudson Taylor came up and stood quietly for a moment, and then he opened his message by saying, Dear friends, I am but a little servant of, a, of an illustrious master. I like that. Hudson Taylor's not going to take any of the glory. It's God who did the work. Then verse 9, our last verse this morning, Paul writes, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. In other words, Paul starting out, uh, starts here in this verse. He says, you know, we're just God's workers. Nothing special. Serving the Lord. He's the master here. And then he says, you know what? You are God's field, right? You're the planting. You're, you're, you're the one that has grown up, grown out. You're, you're the field. In other words, you belong to God. You are God's field. He's the land owner, not us. And then he adds this at the end of verse 9, and you are God's building. You are also God's building. He's switching analogies here. And that really flows into this next section, which we'll, which we'll look at next time. So Paul's like, hey, you Corinthians believers, you should look to God, not us. You should look to him. Not, not who's better, who you think. Yeah, that You're not your own even. It's not about you and what you feel and you think. You know what? You belong to God now in Jesus Christ. It's about God, not you. It's not about Paul, Paulos, what you think. It's about Jesus who died and saved us. One commentator said this, division can only occur where there is selfishness. Even jealousy is, is a severe form of selfishness. And, you know, I thought about that. I thought, oh, no wonder Paul says, hey, you guys are just babes in Christ, right? They're all locked into what they feel, what they think, what they want, right? Yeah, I like this guy better. I like this guy. No, hey, you don't. It's not about you no more, right? And you think about that, babes in Christ. Think about babies, you know, a sweet, cute baby. Oh, how cute they are. Oh, you want to hold them. You want to, you know, but, hey, aren't they pretty self-centered? It's all about me, feed me, yeah? They're ruled by their appetite. They want only what they want. They can't see beyond their own little world. They're demanding. And if they don't get what they want, oh, watch out. Wah! Right? No wonder Paul says, 
Hey, you guys are just little babies in Christ here. So what's the remedy? What is Paul saying here? And this is our last point. Paul's saying, get your eyes off yourself and its desires and set your focus on the Savior Jesus and glorify him. That's the remedy. It's about God who saved you. It's about you belong to God now. Not, it's not about what you think or feel. It's about God. The remedy is get your eyes off yourself and its fleshly desires and set your focus on the Savior Jesus and glorify him. That's what it's about. Moving our eyes off me, mine, what I want to God above. Over the doorways of this cathedral in Milan are three different inscriptions. The one over the right door, it says, all that flees is but for a moment. There's an inscription over the left door. Over the left door is all that troubles is but for a moment. But over the, the door in the center is this. Nothing is important save that which is eternal. I like that. That's what matters. That's what's important. That's the remedy. What's most important in your life? Yeah? It's the eternal Lord God, right? It's the eternal one. I think the greatest enemy we have is ourself. Yeah? When we start giving into that fleshful flesh, we start, we start doing what it says and not what God wants. And so we start, oh, we, we want this, we want that, we line up this, we start, and we're all messed up. The remedy is to get eyes off self and its desires and set your focus on Jesus. It's about the Lord who saved you. It's about God who's done this work in you. It's about God who, he owns you now. He's redeemed you and you've given your life to him. So shouldn't we do what he wants? That's the remedy. A carnal Christian is about what? Themselves and giving into their fleshly self. Yeah? But a, a true Christian is about Jesus. The opposite of selfishness is what? Others anyway, right? When you think of others first, you know what you do? You glorify God, actually. Philippians 2, 3, 4, 3 through 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Listen, listen, you guys. When we get our eyes off of ourselves and focus on God, you know what? That's when the spiritual healing comes. That's when it comes. Carnality goes. Healing comes. And you know, with that, all of a sudden, we want to see some a little bit more. We want more. Yeah? We want to know God. We want to be who God wants us to be. We set our hearts more on what God would like us to do, how God would like us to approach things, our attitude in, in these things. Doing his desire, doing his will. And I'll tell you, when we start looking at God, you know what, what else we find? We find love. We find forgiveness. And we find it in a way that we've never had before. And we find even uh, grace 
and mercy. Tell you what happens to me is when I stop looking and giving into my own selfish, selfish desires, I'm humbled. Suddenly I see my own sin, my own wrong, and suddenly I'm, I'm just convicted. I'm humbled before the Lord, and, and then I find God's grace and his mercy. And I tell you what, he pours it upon me, and then I have that grace and mercy to give it away to. That's what happens to me. Suddenly my agenda doesn't matter. Suddenly what seems so crazy important to me doesn't matter, but what matters most is what God wants. What matters most is love and unity. That's what Paul says here. But it can only happen if you die to self and live for God. If you stop giving yourself to that fleshly, sinful flesh, right? If you stop being carnal, let me tell you, you can't have both. You can't have the world and you can't be, be a Christian. You can't, you can't be carnal and, oh yeah, still in your flesh and have everything in God. You cannot. You cannot have both. I'll close with something Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, what he shared. He wrote, in the annals of American history, there was a political group known as the Mug Wumps. They were the fence sitters. They were always trying to please both sides. So theirs was a miserable life. Pastor Chuck goes on and says, I never did find out why they were called mugwumps, except that their mug was on one side of the fence and their wumps were on the other. I like that. He said, a fence sitter is in a precarious position because he never fully satisfies each side. Well said. We'll never fully be satisfied if we're mugwumps, right? We cannot be carnal Christians. It's an oxymoron here. You cannot. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be happy. You'll never find that real joy. The true peace and joy comes when you stop being carnal Christians. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for this speaking to us today, God. Lord, each one of us feels this spirit tugging, touching an area that we need to work on, that we need to stop. Lord, we don't want to be labeled as carnal Christians or even slightly carnal, God. But we want to be true believers, followers of Jesus, God, who reflects, Lord, what you have done in our salvation. God, we humble ourselves right now. I humble myself, Lord. And I ask, Lord, with everybody here, that you would forgive us, God, of our sins. Where we have fallen short and we have given, Lord, ourselves over to the sinful flesh, where, where our attitudes, our approaches, our thinking, Lord, our choices have been, have been more of the flesh than more of you. God, we want to go on from the milk to solid food. We hunger for you, and we hunger for your word, and we hunger for more of this life in you, God. We're not satisfied, Lord, with just the milk. God, we want more. We want more because it brings us closer to you. And Jesus, we love you, and we want to love you more. And we're sorry, so help us today, God. Help us, Lord. 
because we bow our hearts towards right now. I ask that for you to heal. As we give over to you, Lord, our failures and sin, as we pour out, Lord, everything before you and cry out to you, meet us right where we're at right now, God. Lord, if we know we have been knowingly given over to the sinful flesh, and we've been saying, God, we want to repent. We confess it, so forgive us and cleanse us now. If now we're realizing things that we shouldn't have been doing, and now it's more clear, God, we're sorry, and we want to learn, we want to grow. Help us right now. Forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, we just want to be who you want us to be. And we want to give everything over to you. And thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for loving us and never giving up on us. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.